Hello, and welcome to episode number 372 of the Rollo and Slappy Show. Today is August 28th, 2023. I'm Rollo McFlugel, and with me is my co-host, Slappy Jones. Show notes page for this episode is mcflugel.com slash seven. What did I say? What number of this episode was? Seven. Three, seven. Three, seven, two. Yeah, I, I had, think we got that far yet. I had the... Uh, the correct um, medium number not in the right order so um, so you can you can set your uh, set your uh, DVRs correctly uh, the Phillies are currently up five to four on the mm-hmm. angels in the uh, middle of the eighth inning Uh, another uh, another two home run game for Trey Turner. Mm-hmm. 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 Bryce Harper, Harper has one run. yard. Yeah. So things looking good. Um, I made a bet with a mutual friend about the Philly. He made a comment in a group chat saying that like he's oh, I'm still going to root for him, but I don't think the Phillies are going to make the playoffs. Who said that? Not that you have to give out their name, but what would make you think they're not making? When was this? Like three months ago or like yesterday? Last week. That's uh, he's uh, okay, and I immediately was like, "I'll make that a bet with you," <laughs> and he took it. Bet my mortgage. Yeah, yeah. They're gonna it, be. It, I mean, it would be a really bad collapse for them not to make the playoffs at this point. Yeah, <laughs> someone else in the chat was like, "Not make the playoffs? Like they're they're gonna win? They're gonna win the NL?" <laughs> Don't sleep on the Braves. Braves are pretty pretty darn good. They were last year too. No, I yeah, know. no, it's baseball. Anything could happen. But but the no, I mean, the it's, Phillies it's, are like the best team in baseball. They are playing really well right now, and they're pretty good. But like they'll win nine games, and then I look, and the Braves won ten. Yeah, no, the Braves are Braves are a machine. I but, hate uh, the Braves. I've always hated the Braves since as long as I've watched baseball. They've been good for a long. They don't really have any many downtimes, do they? Um, no, I mean, the Phils won all those on at least from, what was it, 7, 8, 9, yeah, and 11. True. But being a kid with that pitching staff, like, Greg Maddox still gives me nightmares. Steve Avery, Tom Glavin, John Smoltz, they were just dominant. Um, yeah, that's, that's pretty, it's a pretty insane, uh, rotation. And it wasn't like they were around, like the Phillies had, uh, yeah. I called them the, the Lee, H.H. Oswalt, because it was Cliff Lee, Roy Halladay, Cole Hamels, and uh, Roy Oswalt were their four starting pitchers, and, which is just absurd, too. But they were, I mean, that, that rotation was around for, what, a year? Um, maybe two. I don't know. There wasn't, I, I'm trying to remember all the all the years. And uh, they had some They weren't on the World rotation. Series team. No. They were no, in 2009, they were, but. That's insane. Because yeah, it's insane because their World Series was their top three pitchers were Hamels, who was Brett really Myers. good, Brett Myers and Joe yeah. Blanton, and Jamie Moyer was the fourth guy who Jamie didn't really Moyer. pitch much. I can't even remember their whole rotation, who but they got the better. Guy? They win in two thousand eight. They got better in two thousand nine. Better in two thousand ten. Best team was yeah. two thousand eleven. Like would have been great to win three or four. Well, it would have been great to win two. It was right. great to win one, but. Um, you know, it was fun, fun watching those years. Oh yeah. 
And what I was saying is that is that ro- that uh, Braves rotation, all those guys were Braves like forever, forever. They're just nightmares <laughs> forever. And then they would always have someone like what was his name, like Mark Wallers. Um, who was another one of their guys in the nineties? They like John trade. Rocker. Yeah, John Rocker. Well, office rocker, didn't he? <laughs> he said something about getting on the subway in New York. Like, yeah, you can't speak English. I don't. I don't remember what his comment was, but everyone called him a racist, and then he wasn't allowed to play anymore. Yeah, I recently saw that that quote. Uh, was what like, was it? Do you remember? Um, it wasn't great. <laughs> like. Do I think he should have been, you know, removed from baseball? Let me look it up. Well, anyone who's ever New York is a dump, and I hate that place. And you can't say enough mean things about New York, so I give him a pass. And I don't even remember what he said. Let's um, see. Maybe I I despise New York and their stupid subway, and their stupid Penn Station and Times Square and Manhattan and all the boroughs. I hate that place. Uh, give me a second. John Rocker quote fired. What's he doing now? Does he have like a podcast or something trying to be relevant? I don't know. Maybe made enough money playing baseball. He doesn't have to. I don't know. Okay. Uh, I, oh, apparently, well, he apparently had a lot of quotes. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure he was not a uh, quiet, quiet fella. Here's to add fuel to the fire. He also called his own teammate a, and quote, overweight, black, fat monkey. Which one? <sighs> I don't know. Uh, okay. Uh, when asked if he would play for the ever played for the New York Mets, he said he would, quote, retire first. Yeah. I, he said, imagine, that. imagine having to take the number seven train to the ballpark, looking like you're riding through Beirut next to some kid with purple hair, next to some queer with AIDS, right next to some dude who just got out of jail for the fourth time, right next to some 20-year-old mom with four kids. It is depressing. Well, that's, I mean, that sums up New York. Yeah. That was not the quote. Hold on. He pitched for six years. Uh, I just remember he would he would sprint to the uh, the mound. Yeah, he called in right. Called down, yeah. Thirty-eight saves in ninety-nine. They went to where? How how far did they go? I remember when the Mets went to the World Series in was that two thousand? Was that the Padres? No, the Padres were ninety-nine. I can't remember. Uh, here's the rest of the quote. This is what I was thinking of. And maybe it's not, let's say, the biggest thing I don't like about New York are the foreigners. You can walk an entire block in Times Square and not hear anybody speaking English. Asians and Koreans and Vietnamese and Indians and Russians and Spanish people and everything up there. How the hell do they get in this country? Um, mm-hmm. That's not as bad as I thought. I remember I was it was. There, there you go. I mean, walk through Times Square and uh, you you come up with... Uh, you you can analyze it. I haven't gone to Times Square or New York in since before COVID. That can't be what got him kicked out. Could have been. 
I mean, I'm sure he said several things. He was like, a really oh yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm like going through this and not doing all the other stuff. He's, he's apparently a very, uh, very quotable man. Um, it doesn't sound like he's a great guy. <laughs> um, yeah, probably not. I mean, probably not a great teammate if he's talking about his teammates like that um, yeah. to the public. Like, uh, yeah, I don't know. It's probably. Probably something else. But let's see what his numbers were. 98, 99, 2000, his ERA was under three. And it went up from there. 2001, he was 4.32, 6.66 in 2002, and 9.0. But he did only play two games in 2003. He had some good years there. Yeah. I mean... Well, he got suspended for uh, okay. Uh oh yeah, it was it was pretty much that. I mean, it could be one of those things where it's like well, one. Look, it, whether you agree or not, <laughs> we're not talking a smart a, thing to say to the media. We're talking a little while ago about uh um, Bryce Harper being a good role model <laughs> and like major league baseball and, and baseball teams in general, like want to have the perception of their teams and players being good. And so like, those are the kinds of things that like you say that as the face of any company or business, just <laughs> unless you're like really, 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 really good. You don't expect to last that long. Well, that's why every interview that anyone, any athlete does is predictable and boring because you don't want right. to say anything. You just go, yeah, it was a great game. He's a great opponent. I was just seeing the ball well and hit the ball. Yep. like they, Because you, you don't say your opinions. You just say what you're supposed to say and move on because uh, you're making lots of money and you want to keep doing that and you want to avoid distractions. And by running your mouth to the press, it's a huge distraction on the team. And yeah. uh, it's not not a good not what you want. Well, do you, do you remember Sean Avery switching sports? Or not uh, not Sean Avery switching Sean sports, Avery. but yeah, no, switching, switching sports. Do you remember yeah. Sean Avery? Yeah, oh, when he, he was on something stupid. Yeah, he, he referred to uh, um, his ex girlfriend or something as being sloppy seconds for mm -hmm. uh, for Dion Phaneuf, and it was the Dallas Stars kicked him off the team for that. Yeah, it's just causes unnecessary distractions. You want to focus on playing and winning, yep. not have all this outside distraction. Yeah. So I, I, well, yeah. Yeah. So when you cause distractions, you're usually not long for the team. Yeah. And like maybe people be like, oh, well, they don't, they don't kick people off for being woke. But like, how many professional athletes are out there like being super woke no that's you know, why when when they're told to wear the rainbow jersey for warm-ups they just wear them because they don't want distractions right now hat tip to the rangers and yeah. uh and to Ivan the Provorov, yeah who, who started it um like good job but yeah. but then it, but like they didn't again they didn't make it or at least Provorov like 
even the Rangers, his teammates they just know they didn't him, make it. He knows his teammates, and they did, they weren't going to make it a distraction. Right. It's just I'm just not doing it. Okay. And the media tried. They tried to hammer these guys. They tried to get other people to say something bad. And everyone's we're not going to talk about it. We're just done. With, you know, he does what he does, and that's good. Yep. You know, it wasn't going to be a problem. Well, it was. Because... Although he did get traded, right? Yeah, I mean, that had nothing. To, I, I don't think that you, had you much don't know to do that. <laughs> yeah, because um, they don't want distraction. They don't make it public. Like, I, I'm not saying that's the cause either, but it could be. Um, we don't know. Maybe. I mean, was it even a distraction? I mean, I I don't think most people even remember it. Yeah. No, I agree with you. I'm just saying it could. Yeah, be it could because, have been. Uh, in my playing experience, things happened for reasons, and the media never caught wind of it and just thought right. things, and we know what really happened. Um, and, you know, when, well, anyway, we don't know. But I don't, I think you're right. I don't think that it caused it. We just don't know for sure. Yeah. Um, where did he get traded to? What did they get for him? Didn't they? Wasn't there like a three-team deal or something? Uh, was it the Blue Jackets? Because that's who every that's that, every that's Flyers trade goes yeah. to. Uh, I am blanking on this. Let's see. Yeah, Blue Jackets. And who did you get traded for? It was a lot. Yeah. Uh, traded for a three-team deal involving Los Angeles. Kings, the other another other one of their favorite trading partners. That's all. It's funny because that that is like they it's it's like you have connections with people. That's ends up what what happens. I mean, all of the Flyers. I mean, recently they got uh, Cam Atkinson for Jake Voracek and they got Jake for from Columbus. And before Mm -hmm. that, Jake Voracek came from Columbus. For remember uh, who we had uh, Michael Richards and uh, Jeff Carter going back. Jeff Carter got traded to Columbus, the, right? Uh, yep. And we got Voracek. And then Richards went to the Kings. And uh, and Hextall was at, with the Kings for a while, wasn't he? Yep. So, okay. So the Flyers receive the 2023 first-round pick from Columbus, the 2024 second-round pick from L.A., 2024 conditional second round pick from Columbus goalie Cal Peterson uh, defenseman Sean Walker and defenseman Helge Granz Columbus got Ivan Provorov and Los Angeles got uh, Hayden Hodgson so forward defenseman Kevin Connaughton and LA also retains 30% of Provorov's salary so a lot. Yeah. A lot of pieces moved for uh, for Proval, which was deserved because dude's a stud. Sure. But, uh, you know. I miss him. I like yeah. him. But that move was in part able to be made because I think Cam York is ready to be a stud, mm-hmm. too. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, I guess now that we got all that. Uh, Phil's one, by the way. Oh, sweet. As as if that was uh, yeah, not not breaking news here. Yeah, well, it just adds another uh, number off the magic number for me to win my bet. Yeah, I gotta find who your betting partner is because 
I'm going to have to start making bets with this guy. Probably should. I will text you the name right <laughs> now in case you want to get a... Get one in. <laughs> um, I bet you you're going to say understood. I'm not surprised. Um, but he's on the... <laughs> Did you get it? Understood. I'm not surprised. Yeah. <laughs> so he, we, he plays on on my softball team when he's like, I'll let you pick what the... Uh, what the terms are. And so like, oh, I'll ask the audience, other guys on the softball team. And someone made a comment about person uh, who loses has to ride the bench. And it's kind of a running joke on the softball team because I start when we have enough players, um, I start every game on the bench. And the guy who runs the team, when he calls the, the lineup really loves to, uh, when he's calling out the positions, emphasize bench when he says my name. Nice. And then what happens is I just go out and um, take each guy at each position off the field for a, a spot on the bench for an inning. So I play pretty much everywhere, go around the field. And uh, our friend who made the bet with me is third baseman. So uh, the bet is for third base. Mm, corner. But he doesn't actually really win anything if he wins. <laughs> It just, it just, it just stays the same, but it doesn't matter because he's not going to win. That's true. So he's going to have to play, uh, play around the world like I do. And I'll, I'll, I'll take the hot corner from him. It's not a, that's a, it's a tough position in slow pitch. It is, but it'll be nice to, uh, just be able to play potentially one position Yeah. and not have to move around. Every, because it's you know it's it's fun i like going around the world as i call it going around the world because you get to play all different a lot of different positions um but it's kind of tough to get to get a feel at any one position because you're never there for more than a right an inning um right. so be nice be nice to have a spot Good luck to you. Thank you. Good luck to him. He needs it more than me. Yeah. Okay. So anyway, I wanted to talk about Bitcoin again a little bit. Oh, also, I just got back from Bitblock Boom. Um, yeah, that's right. How was yeah, it? Yeah, it was great. Gary Leland did a great job once again of uh, putting on the conference. Um, got to hang out with some cool people. Uh, saw a lot of friends I made before. And made some new friends this time around, too. So cool. Um, it's a good event. Good to just kind of like hang out with people, talk about stuff and just kind of it's like similar Childerberg vibes in, in that you can just kind of like be free to kind of say whatever you want. And, you know, everyone's going to be on the same page. Um, saw uh, our buddy. I didn't see him last year. Um, he couldn't make it, but saw our buddy uh, Tesla Hoddle. He's doing, right. he's doing very well. Um, he got, he made it to the, uh, to the semifinals in the chess tournament. Mm. And, uh, he, he, he lost to, uh, Michael Tidwell. It's a tough game. He, he did well though, but, uh, I was kind of, I was rooting for him, but also, uh, a lot of us were waiting to go to dinner for him to finish up. So, 
Uh, it was a bit a bittersweet for for me and for the rest of us. Only bitter for Tesla. Yeah, <laughs> tough one. Yeah, but uh, now he's doing well. Talked to him. We we're going to get him back on the podcast soon. He has right some, he has some updates for us, which which right are pretty on. cool. Cool. Um, but uh, now I got to talk a little bit bit about uh, get on zero to some people, introduce them to the idea. It's a lot better when you can uh, just be kind of like one on one and in person when you're talking about it as opposed yep. to on Twitter. Um, people like just with anything, people handle things a lot better that way. So um, maybe they thought I was absolutely crazy, but they kind of said, oh, that's pretty cool. <laughs> uh, I got to explain it a little bit better uh, because people will say, like, what about taxes? What about the price going down? And, you know, it's it's there's a lot less distractions when you can uh, just be having it back and forth as opposed mm-hmm. to being on Twitter and maybe they don't. You know, there's even if it's five or ten minutes between seeing your their tweet, making their last tweet, and seeing your tweet, it's a lot to. Uh, it's not the same flow. Yep. Um, and uh, Parker Lewis of Unchained Capital, he was the last speaker of Bitblock Boom, and uh, he kind of had a lot of kind of get on zero feels for what he was talking about. So that cool. was good. Um, talking about how you ought to be doing what you can to take your salary in Bitcoin. And um, kind of saying like, if you wait until it's too late to do this kind of stuff and get set up for it, then it's too late. And kind of use, yeah, kind of use the example of uh, Noah's Ark. He's like, Noah built the Ark before it stopped, started raining. If he waited until the rains and the floods came, it would have been too late. Um, and someone asked him like, well, what about capital gains ta- and taxes and everything? He's like, that's not good enough of a reason to wait, like deal with it. And just kind of like, um, you know, don't let, don't let something like that stop you from, from preparing yourself for what is basically the inevitable. Mm-hmm. And then someone as actually uh, Tesla Hoddle had a good question. He said like, do you think it's a good idea you know, as a business or, or whatever, or as an individual to um, incentivize people to pay you in Bitcoin by offering a discount for your services in Bitcoin. And he said, no, what you should do is make them pay a premium for paying you in fiat. Um, like if, if the price is $25 for something, that is the price of it. If they want to pay you in fiat, make it thirty bucks. Right. And I think he said they were doing something like that in Unchained with uh it's cool. with charging premiums for for paying in fiat. He's like, We'll take it. But if you're gonna put that um the onus on us and and uh, not the onus, but the uh the burden on us to convert that to to Bitcoin from fiat, then you're we're gonna make you pay for it. Yep. Um so I thought that was a great answer. So Tis. Um, I mean, we've talked about on chain a lot on this podcast, maybe, mm-hmm. maybe not all good things, but that's a good thing. Um, you know, we're not rooting for these companies to fail. Um, we're rooting for these Bitcoin companies to be successful. And if they're going to start operating on a Bitcoin standard and, you know, uh, in- incentivizing and talking about 
living on a Bitcoin standard. Hopefully a lot of their products and services for the consumer will start to reflect that. Um, you know, so, you know, kudos for as much as <laughs> I've criticized those guys on this show and on Twitter, like kudos for that. Um, mm-hmm. I hope, I hope that they continue to move in that direction and, uh, and get that message out because, you know, I, I we need people to start thinking about using Bitcoin as actual money because if not us, then who, I mean, we, we can't, we can't sit there and, and expect other people to do it. And I, I kind of had this conversation with some people at BitBlock Boom about, um, you know, everyone, this, this mindset of hodling forever. I'm like, hodling is good. I'm not, I'm not trying to say that saving in Bitcoin is bad um, because that's what you should be saving in. We just do it a little bit different with get on zero in that we just don't hold any fiat to spend that what, what any sort of income we get, we convert it to Bitcoin and liquidate it as we need to, to pay expenses. But everything else is, is just de facto saved in Bitcoin. Mm-hmm. Um, and then any, any Bitcoin that you don't buy and fiat that you hold is for all intents and purposes, sold Bitcoin. Um, uh, so what was I going to, oh, so this mindset of people that like, oh, I'm never, I'm never selling my Bitcoin under any circumstances. And when I used to say I was going to hodl forever, it was kind of like with an asterisk that I would say, well, I'll, I'm going to hold on to my Bitcoin until I don't have like no one's accepting fiat. That's what I have to have to spend. Yeah. I um, mean, it's kind of on its face stupid to just hold something forever until you die yeah and maybe maybe these people they have that maybe they have this asterisk too yeah i would Um, think so probably i would hope so um but you know and and this is why i think that just get on zero is a more superior thing because you can you can have your cake and eat it too. You can, you can have your Bitcoin that you're saving for generational wealth and everything and long-term savings, but also spend it when you can spend it directly. Uh, when, when merchants and businesses and people accepted this payment. And, uh, and so you can help advance that thing kind of too, because, you know, we want, we, people talk about the circular economy and I have thoughts on, the idea of the circular economy, but we won't get into that. But you know, they they want they want Bitcoin being spent around like native a native economy or an economy native to Bitcoin. But like if you go out and say to businesses like, hey, I, I think you should accept accept Bitcoin, especially if it's a, a business that you frequent and patronize, and you say, hey, uh, I think you should accept Bitcoin, and they say, okay, great. Um, all right, so I, I guess you're going to be paying in Bitcoin now. And you go, no. I was like, what kind of message does that send? Um, like if you if you want people to accept Bitcoin, then you ought to be willing to pay them in Bitcoin too. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was neat because there was, we, we a few of us did go to a restaurant um, and they accepted Bitcoin. Cool. And... Uh, Someone paid in Bitcoin and, and the other two uh, paid him in Bitcoin. And it was great because, you know, like when you when you split a bill and it's a real pain in the butt um, with like how to send send people money afterwards. It's like, all right, do you want to take cash? Do you want to take Venmo? Oh, I don't have Venmo. Cash app. Uh, 
you know, I sent him and it was we went to a steakhouse and we kind of cut loose. So. Uh, it was it was not a small bill and uh, I sent him money over lightning. And it, like it was it was a pretty. Decent amount for lightning. And I did it with my lightning node with my LND hub connected to it nice. and it went, it went through and it was like, you know, he showed me an invoice and in like two seconds it was paid. That was awesome. Like you don't have that sort of experience with, uh, with anything else in the fiat system, unless you're like handing them Cash. dollars, but, right. but there's the obvious problem with using fiat. Uh, and then there were other times that like I, I put my we went to a bunch of us went to a dinner at another restaurant and I had to put it on my credit card and people paid me um, in Bitcoin. Some of them, you know, they use cash app. So it was not um, directly Bitcoin, although they I was able to take the payment in Bitcoin, which is good, but through cash app um, and some some people paid um, over like lightning network. Uh, the actual one. And uh, it was great. It was cool. And I, you know, paid someone, someone bought me a beer and I paid him with lightning and it, like, it just, it just worked and it was great. And like, we were kind of giggling every time we would do it and just be like, that's awesome. Um, like even, even one time someone, someone bought me a beer and he was buying me a beer. I'm like, no, no, no. I, 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 I want to do the transaction. I want to like, this is fun for, for five bucks. Yeah. I'm going to, let's do it. Um, so that was really neat. Um, so all that, I, I, I want to, this is kind of a good, all that is a good introduction for kind of the meat of what I wanted to talk about tonight was there's this mindset among a lot of Bitcoiners, um, that, Bitcoin, and this is going to be similar, but not quite the same um, to what we talked about a few weeks ago about whether or not Bitcoin is like a right right wing thing. But there are some people out there, uh, and I encountered this on Twitter today or yesterday, who like they don't, how do I frame this the right way? they will reject any sort of trade-off with holding keys and, and custody and everything that like, if, if you don't hold, hold your own keys, um, then you don't deserve Bitcoin and you should use the fiat system. And the fiat system is better anyway, if you're not holding your own keys. Um, and it's like, all right, I'm not trying to, denigrate or not stress the importance of holding your own keys because it's super important. We talk about it a lot here. You should hold your own keys. You should hold, you know, custody your own Bitcoin you should run your own nodes that you actually know that you're holding <laughs> yeah. mm -hmm. the keys that you have are actually controlling the Bitcoin that you think you have. This is, this stuff is super important. But that said, if we're going to scale Bitcoin up to serve, you know, the entire world, all 8 billion people, it's very well known that there is just not enough block space to be able to 
get people holding their own keys. Um, it's just not, it's just an impossibility. It's just, it's just not going to happen. Which means that unless we come up with some clever way to off, you know, the first or second layers, because um, even like Lightning Network isn't enough to scale. Lightning Network by itself is not enough to scale to uh, the entire world. Uh, and Lightning, you do actually custody all the Bitcoin you have. There's no trusted third parties to use to use Lightning, um, natively at least. I mean, there's there's plenty of custodied services that allow you to use lightning but that that point aside um unless there's some sort of you know innovation that happens that we're not anticipating which i hope there is um in order for bitcoin to become global money we're gonna have to accept some money warehousing custodianship (laughs) and Oh no. And a while ago we talked about this with when we had Bacon, he was talking about Fediment and everything. And yeah, there's a trade-off, but it feels like it's probably a good trade-off. Um as of now at least, the stuff isn't built out yet. And there's there's I think there's a good amount of time before we need to really start worrying about this. Um and people are building, people are, are working on trying to solve these problems and everything. So it's not like we're going to necessarily be caught with our pants down. Um, but like, I, I, we need to come to terms with this reality that there might have to be some things where, you know, we have some trade-offs and, and it doesn't mean that like the way custody happens now is how it's going to be in the future. I hope it's not going to be. I hope we're not relying on like Coinbase and stuff. But, you know, just using the example of Fediment where it's kind of operating, you know, people set up basically banks on the Lightning Network where they issue coins that are settled over the Lightning Network. Um, This is the thing, like Bitcoin, I'm going to take a step back. Um. We have to understand and remember kind of what Bitcoin is supposed to be doing, like how how it parallels the existing system with central banks uh, in particular. We talk about how Bitcoin is going to destroy the central banks. But there's some nuance there because I think the better way to put it is that it's going to destroy central banking as we know it. It's going to destroy Banking as we know it, central banking probably you know has a, a, a specific enough definition that we'll just say banking. It's going to destroy and and disrupt banking as we know it. The problem in the fiat system with central banks and banking is that there is no mechanism for the individual user holder of the money to really make themselves whole or protect or defend themselves. Um against inflation against money printing or or more specifically money creation because it's not just the fed printing money that causes inflation um a whole lot of it has to do with the banks like retail banks creating loans Mm -hmm. and stuff um and that's a bad thing you know you you, slappy you're gonna go let's say you're gonna go get a mortgage um for two hundred thousand dollars, you know, does does the bank 
like say, hold on, Slappy, we need to go get two hundred thousand dollars from of deposits that the depositor is going to understand that this money that they're going to get is going to get locked up for a time period because we're going to give that money to you. Is that how it works, Slappy? Yeah, yeah. No, it's kind of. I wonder, like, um, do you, so? Well, to answer the question, no, that's not how it works. But do you think people think that's how it works? Um, I don't know. I don't know what people think. I, I think people I. might I not necessarily. I don't think they really I, care. I think they just know I owe this money now. Right. And I don't think they think much into it because I remember when I was, I remember my dad taught me about fractional reserves. And I remember when he explained it to me and I was like, oh, that makes sense. Yeah. Because not everyone's going to come back and get their money right away. And then it's like, oh, yeah, there's this thing called the FDIC. So if there is a thing of a crazy situation where everyone wants their money back, then then the bank's insured so that people are made whole. Oh, okay. Yeah, that makes sense. But when you don't, have the framework of understanding what inflation is and what that does. And also most people just accept that inflation is good or not only just okay, but also good and necessary because, you know, we're taught this Keynesian lie that, you know, you have to have inflation or else you will not have any investment. (laughs) Um, Then you just accept it for what it is. Um, I think that's what people do. I think they just accept it without really thinking about it because yeah, why would you think about sure. something that has existed this way forever? And, and it's, wor- it's quote working. People are getting mortgages and houses and paying them and whatever. Like Right. And there's probably a lot of people that might feel like they're being attacked if you say your mortgage was created out of thin air and you've contributed to inflation. Um, you know, I have a mortgage, but, you know, Same. it's, it's part of the thing where it's like you don't really have much better options and also you know i think if you're leveraging the fiat debt system in order to destroy the fiat debt system i think that's probably yeah potentially i mean you're you're contributing to more inflation but um so that i mean there's a debate on it i could uh, you know if someone says that you shouldn't use it at all because you're harming people I, i think that's we can have that debate um uh, I, I think that's a a reasonable position to take. Um, mm-hmm. But anyway, so that's what this that's what the current system does. Um, what Bitcoin does, uh, because remember, like on chain transactions, um, I think because they've been so cheap and um, cheap to get on you know, the next block or the next couple blocks. It, 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 people are using, using, you know, the first layer on chain layer of Bitcoin, um, using it for way more than they actually need as far as like security and final settlement goes. You know, it's like taking a, uh, 737, um, to your, for your, uh, 30 mile commute to work. Like you can do it, you're gonna get there pretty fast. Um, but like, is it really necessary to do that? Or it's like, hey, you, you brought groceries um, in from the store, and you're gonna you, you have a fork truck to get them from your car to your kitchen. 
Like, yeah, you can do that. Um, but like, it's probably not the best use of a fork truck. Like you want to use the fork truck for like big things, uh, and really heavy things. Likewise, the 737, you want to do that for longer trips with, uh, with lots of cargo or lots of people you gotta, you gotta move, not mm-hmm. for just you and everything. But, you know, let's just say that like the airplanes, the, you know, what's event? Like, yeah, use it, use it while you have it and it's cheap to do and, and convenient. Um, but, uh, the on-chain layer of Bitcoin is really designed to like mimic or not mimic, but parallel be a parallel foil to uh central bank clearings and 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 final settlement between central banks i don't know exactly what the numbers are but central banks don't clear very often (laughs) just banks in general we don't even talk about central banks just banks in general they don't like do final settlement where they move piles and piles of cash um very often and when they do it's expensive and it takes a long time bitcoin um assuming you get in the next block is 10 minutes mm-hmm. and then maybe depending on, you know, how much money you're moving, how secure you need that transaction to be, you wait a couple confirmations. So let's say you do the, this typical six confirmations, which have, which have been traditional, like, yeah, you're pretty, you're pretty good. And, uh, as Bitcoin accumulates value and each Bitcoin's worth like $10 million with the amount of, you know, mining, and uh, hash rate that's behind the network, uh, six blocks is probably still going to be what you need to move, you know, uh, uh, what's it called? A uh, proportional amount of money to what we're like moving around today and needing six confirmations for. So if you're moving like $10 billion, um, when the price of Bitcoin is 10 million a piece, 10 billion. If you're moving $10 billion when the price of Bitcoin is 10 million a piece, you know, uh, maybe, maybe that's off, but like orders of magnitude I'm talking about. Um, six confirmations is probably all you're going to need. And, you know, relatively speaking to what it takes to move, you know, $10 billion today, just worlds and worlds and worlds cheaper. Let's say it costs a thousand dollars at that point for a transaction. Like, a thousand, like it doesn't like, you know, a thousand dollars spent moving, uh, you know, a billion dollars between banks today is probably spent in like four seconds. Yep. So the on chain layer is not, and never was designed for people like me and you and everyday transactions. Right. It's just like, it's, it's silly. Um, so you build layers on top of it and we have the lightning network and maybe the lightning network is something like ACH transfers of what we have today, which are slow and also not exactly cheap or maybe why wiring. I don't know. Maybe wires are a better example. Um, I don't know, but there's just like the next layer. It's still slow and expensive and bad. So like we're already at the at the second layer of Bitcoin and you can move money for like basically instantly um, and have really good final settlement assurances. And uh, or it's not it's not technically finally settled, but 
the money is in your hands and you can take it to final settlement, which can happen pretty quickly if you need to go on chain. Um, and this is done at a fraction of the cost of like a wire or an ACH transfer. I mean, lightning transactions are, are really, really cheap. Um, so this means when things are like easy and, and, and to run a, to be, to run a full node, to get the full experience of, of what it is to run on, on chain, um, to be a bank who can do final settlement, all you have to do is run a full node. Mm-hmm. And you can use an old laptop that you connect to the internet. Really, you only need to connect to the internet when you're accepting a payment. Um, because as long as it's, you connect to the internet, you know, within a reasonable amount of time between, between things, it, it, you know, it can catch up, um, when it's been offline in a pretty reasonable amount of time. Um, so all you have to do is just have a crappy old laptop and a not too good of an internet connection. And you have, you're like a bank with final settlement, which is pretty cool. And then lightning network is all right. Well, you need a crummy laptop just stays connected to the internet all the time. (laughs) Not that much different. Right. Um, And so all it requires you to do to like participate fully is to just have the capital, just have the money. That if you were to, you know, do something on top of either the first or second layer or subsequent layers that get built between now and when we have, you know, Bitcoin banking, because Bitcoin's monetized, um, it lowers the, the barriers to entry to super, super low. And when you lower the barrier to entry, because all it requires is is like just the cash. That's that's really the only significant requirement that's there. Um, it would, you know, it's it's like if you want to compete with uh, selling bananas, and you already basically are growing bananas. It's like, all right, well, you're. Pretty much already there. You just have to set up a little stand or a way to to sell bananas. Either maybe maybe you set up a website, which is really cheap and easy today, or you set up a hut somewhere. Just or you just people know that you sell bananas, they come to you. That's that's like what the barrier to entry is to enter the banana sale market. Whereas under all these regulations and like what it is like to be a bank today is that it would be like, all right, well, you want to sell bananas? Well, okay, well, you need to uh, buy this uh, $10,000 um, license and you need to, com- to comply with all this other stuff. And you need this and this and that and that and that. All the stuff that doesn't really help you sell bananas, um, but it's just all sorts of licensing to keep the barriers of entry way high so you're not able to participate. Um, so what does that mean if the barrier to entry is really low? Is it, there's an opportunity for a lot of competition. And that was part of the problem with the fiat system and why it became so bad was that because you had the central banks and the fiat system and the federal government just like taking control of how the banks work, there's really no more competition. Like, 
Slappy, do you think there's much of a difference if you go to Bank of America and open an account versus uh, like citizens? Or do I? Any, no, I don't. Pick I think any you bank. Pretty much pick a bank at random, and you're going to get about the same service. Yeah, because it's all the same thing, and the likelihood, like, there, are you gonna have a bank run? No, probably not. And if you did, you have the FDIC, and they all play by the same rules. They're all doing the same thing. They're all inflating and and ripping you off um, through devaluing your money. Yep. But under something like this, if you've got a lot of competition, then you're more likely you, there's just going to be so many more um, opportunities for people to create these banking services. And it would make sense. I think it's the thing that people would do is that you would be doing this kind of locally. Like your bank would be a local a local uh, um, service, whether you've got a lot of background noise, Slappy. Yeah, there's a helicopter flying really low. Okay, I was wondering what that was. I'm going to mute myself for a second here. Um, just You could stay muted forever. Um, but uh, I, I think it's, it's reasonable to suspect that under a Bitcoin standard with the uh, barrier to entry so low and so much competition – that it would make sense that you're if you have to trust someone not to rip you off or, or run away with your money or inflate the money supply, then you want to do it with someone that is like a trusted relationship with you um, or at least someone who's going to be able to kind of more immediately feel consequences um, of their actions. And uh, I do think, though, that like it's going to be a lot easier to have bank runs. Um, there is no FDIC under a Bitcoin standard uh, necessarily. So I don't think this necessarily has to be the case for it to work out well um, because there is that kind of like reputation and uh, like just like destroying your business if if you do um, do fractional reserve uh, without having the government and central banks backing you up for it. And causing a situation where like everyone's doing it um because there was a a time period uh under the gold standard where banks could operate this way and some did and you know they got bit when they did and, and honest banks lasted better but um i think we're going to return to like the local bank under a bitcoin standard because you're going to want to have a relationship um with someone who's custodying your money that it it would you, they'd feel consequences for for running away. Right. So I think I think it's going to be like you know maybe extended families and churches and uh, just like a local well respected person in your community that runs the bank um, because if you're a member of the community and people know you and interact with you and do business with you and all that kind of good stuff. Um, they go to your barbecues. If you steal money from like your town, like it's not just the economic hit you're going to take of having a bank run and, you know, losing your business, but like you're going to lose everything. <laughs> like if, if there's a, a family, you know, running a, a, a Fetty Mint or something and like you run away with your, with your brother and, 
and uncle and, and parents money. Like you've basically jettisoned or ejected yourself from the family. And, and I don't think most people are going to want to do that. Now there there's people do crazy things in families and, and steal from them. But like, I think people are going to be a little more careful when choosing the people that are going to be, they're going to be sending their money to, and it's going to be someone who's less likely to do that. So, you know, you're going to be destroying not only your business, um, but also just like your day-to-day relationships and the relationships that are the most important. Yeah. Um, so I think it, I think this system can work and this is without, you know, assuming that some, uh, way to do it without having to have any sort of trust or, or custody doesn't pop up and which if something that does come up, that would be great. And that would just make all this a moot point and we can, we can, you know, control keys that, um, don't allow people to run away with your Bitcoin or inflate it. Um, and that you could take someone on chain eventually or take them to the layer below where, you know, there's there's actual key management um, of individuals and, you know, it, it settles it pretty quickly just for that individual case. Um, and I don't want to get into side chains. We'll probably cover that soon because I have a lot to say about that, but that would be distracting. So. All of that said, I, I I don't think that people because I I've come across some people on Twitter and stuff that are like if you don't hold your keys you don't deserve Bitcoin and you shouldn't have it and and we'll just have the fiat system be there for you. And it's like well, like <laughs> that means like if the fiat system is if if we don't have a way to let everyone manage their own private keys. Um, and we think Bitcoin is going to succeed, then like that means that Bitcoin can't become global money. And so like there's this pipe dream that like there's going to be, oh, the Bitcoiners that are going to be operating on our own thing. And then you're just going to have like everybody else um in their fiat system and just like bitcoin would fail like what's the point what's the point if it's not going to become global money you're going to have like these two systems operating together it's just not gonna it's like clearly not not the majority of people are going to be using bitcoin so it's not going to be what people use yep so like i think there's just this ignorance about economics among these people that think that like yeah, Bitcoin for me, but not for for all these other people and like screw them. And I think a lot of this is motivated by these people just probably being losers most of their lives. And I don't mean that trying to like maybe not be the, the best word and nicest word to use because um, it's not like meant to be uh, an insult, just like they're just used to not winning. They take a lot of lumps and a lot of us in that sense are losers. (laughs) You know, it's, it's life, life is tough, especially with the fiat system and all the stuff that's going on. Um, and so I think they see Bitcoin as a tool for punishment of their political enemies or people that they don't like, or people that 
they think don't deserve Bitcoin or something. Um, so it's a way for pe them to be like, well, I finally have something that I can win and I'll have Bitcoin and you won't. So now you're the loser and I'm the winner. And uh, so I think these people are letting their own like um, frustrations and and uh, and wounds and anger and all that kind of stuff like beat out the the kind of economic logical understanding of, of what's going to happen. Um, it's just it's just kind of goofy to me and uh that's just also weird to to be motivated by like because that's that's the great thing about bitcoin is that it's just going to make massive improvements for everyone and it's going to make people that are bad actors have to become good actors doesn't mean that everyone's we're not claiming to have utopia we're not trying to say that oh bitcoin's going to suddenly turn everyone into angels but it will change around the incentive structure yes. so that there is a lot greater incentive to do good as opposed to do bad under under a Bitcoin system, especially as you know, you have a uh, a money that appreciates in value and, and overall has a lowering of time preference on people or effective lowering of time preference. So I don't know, Slab, is there like. Am I missing? Is there, might there be other motivations for thinking that, like, you know, if you don't have Bitcoin, then yes, you're punished. And and uh, yeah, I mean, I don't know. I, I, I don't know. Um, like when I first liked Bitcoin, first kind of heard of it, it was just kind of like cool to get out of the Federal Reserve system, and. Uh, I probably would have thought back then, yeah, we can have two economies. You know, this Bitcoin, I can buy stuff with it and not pay taxes or whatever. Um, but as you learn more and you figure out what money, like there would be, that would be stupid. It wouldn't yeah. work. It wouldn't, there wouldn't be a point to it. Yeah, I thought that kind of thing too until I learned about how the economics of money and game theory and how incentive structures work. Right. And and if there was that little, like if people, like you, you're saying, people start spending Bitcoin. Well, as more people do spend it, it's going to drive out the bad money eventually. We may, yeah. need, we may need the bad money to crash a little bit, but it's just going to keep inflating. Interest rates are up and you're just going to keep taking on more debt and inflating the currency more to pay off the debt. And it's just going to be this vicious cycle. Uh, and Bitcoin's going to be there. And and that's one of the reasons why I think it's just kind of a bad idea to hope that um, uh, sorry, I got distracted. That hope that there's, you know, you're, you're, the people that don't want Bitcoin right now or aren't willing to, to hold the keys, like, or they're not going to get Bitcoin. Because you're going to get, you're going to be disappointed because they are going to adopt Bitcoin eventually. Because, mm -hmm. like what you said, it's, it's going to be appreciating value and fiat's going to be depreciating in value. And Fear's Law is yep. in play that good money drives out bad money when, um, uh, 
legal tender laws um, are not in play because Bitcoin kind of is you, you can't you can't you can't hold Bitcoin back with legal tender laws in the same way that like you could with like gold and silver with with pegging it and everything. So, you know, Bitcoin's just going to appreciate in value, and and we've talked about this a bajillion times. We've written about it too. That as as Bitcoin just continues to prove itself to be the better money, you know, you you don't need to understand how Bitcoin works. You don't need to understand why it's important to hold your own keys. You don't need to understand anything about the technical sides of Bitcoin or the economic sides of Bitcoin other than number go up, other than, well, I have, I'm holding a little bit of Bitcoin and yesterday I could buy, or, or uh, you know, six months ago I could buy five widgets. Now I can buy eight widgets. I had fiat that six months ago could buy five widgets and now I can only buy three widgets. Well, right. I, I better start moving, you know, holding on to the stuff that that's actually going to be worth it. And yeah. I don't I don't think the people who aren't holding Bitcoin now are going to be harmed necessarily. I think the people who are are going to make out pretty well. But it's just going to like you're saying, it's, it's not like one day you're going to wake up and there's no more Federal Reserve notes. Right. And only Bitcoin, and it's like, shoot, I don't have any Bitcoin. What do I do? I think it's going to be like, you know, gradually then suddenly, right? Like it's it's going to happen, right. and people are going to see this, and they're going to be like, all right, maybe they get paid in Bitcoin. Like, oh, this new, I got to download a Bitcoin wallet now, or you know, whatever. Um, and it's just going to happen, and it's not like because you don't have it now, you're going to be burned and homeless and not be able to eat. And all of us will, uh, you know, drive our Maserati and have a mansion. Um, but maybe. But um, I don't think it's going to happen like that. I think it's going to be kind of seamless. Kind of seamless. Yeah, I agree. I mean, you know, barring some sort of cat- cataclysmic event. Right. Um, and even in the event of that, like, I don't think it's going to, like, you're going to have, like, some sort of massive extinction event for like 90 percent of humans because it's going to be especially if they're doing this like what's it called cb central bank digital currencies i don't think it's happening anytime soon but if it does and like our dollars are all digital and we're all using like it's it's going to be such an easy transition yep yeah i think they're doing us like softening the landings for all these uh these transitions Mm -hmm. is what's going on um but yeah, I, I agree. You're not going to have, it's just because people are just going to slowly start adopting and using Bitcoin more. And so, and again, I think this is motivated by like wanting to punish people that like don't listen right now or you feel like is the enemy or don't deserve Bitcoin that, that like, oh, there's going to be this, if you're not ready, oh, it's, you're going to, oh, it's going to be terrible for you. You better get Bitcoin or else you're going to have these. No, like just people who are productive are going to just start demanding Bitcoin as pay. Right. And as long as you're a productive person, like you're going to succeed as, as, and once we transition to a uh, Bitcoin standard, it's going to be the people, the people that are going to suffer the most are the unproductive people that are, you know, uh, milking everyone for value. (laughs) Right. Off the fiat system. 
it's these it's these vampires that are going to suffer and these and 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 the ones that are going to be become impoverished and not be able to have that spigot for wealth which is good because that's a really terrible way to dream right it's theft it's evil it's bad these people shouldn't be doing that we should force them into and that's the thing what bitcoin does it pushes them into having to be actually be productive members of society if they want to accumulate wealth. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I, I I think I think people want I think because people aren't used to being right about stuff and they're used to getting pushed around and beaten down and being told they're wrong. I think that there's a lot of the mindset among people, whether it's oh, Bitcoin's not going to be for everyone or that once hyper-Bitcoinization or some sort of transition happens, that there are going to be people on the ARC and people who are not going to be on the ARC. And if you're not on the ARC in time, you know, doing the Bitcoin thing... You drown. Yeah, you're just done. And I I just don't think that's the case. And I think that's largely motivated by just being wounded and wanting to wound other people because you've been wounded. That Like, oh, now... I get... You you had some power over me. You used to beat me up. Well, I'm going to get the stick soon, so I'm going to be able to beat you up as opposed to like, hey, let's just not beat each other up anymore. That'd be great. Yeah. Um, I forget the other point I was going to make, but whatever. Speaking of beating things up, I think we, I think we beat beat the point down. But yeah, I, I mean, it's like you got to think about this. You got to have a, a good understanding of economics and some game theory and everything to kind of think through what this transition is going to be like. And you, like you, I think people are just like creating these LARPy kind of fantasy scenarios where they can live out uh, their, uh, their revenge for all the normies and the no-coiners out there. And it's just kind of, kind of silly. The other—that's what I want to say. Like the irony is that a lot of these people are not on zero, <laughs> and they would tend to be resistant to being on zero. Um, it's like they're still very happy to. Uh, I'm speaking generally. I'm sure there's there's some people that are, you know, don't hold fiat and just have Bitcoin, and feel this way, but. Um, probably not wrong so um overall so like yeah consider the glass houses you're living maybe too if if you think this way but you're still um unable to remove yourself from the fiat system uh, a little bit because you you know you, you still have that addiction it's funny we're at, at bitblock at bitblock boom during lunch one day um there's some Bitcoin company or service that their logo logo is apparently uh, basically the same exact thing as Alcohol Anonymous. Alcohol Anonymous's um, uh, logo, and so it kind of made the joke like, you know, Alcoholic Alcoholics Anonymous. They all say they're recovering. They're all recovering alcoholics. Well, we were making a joke like, hey, we're all recovering fiat addicts. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Like and, until we, you know, completely destroy fiat, like yeah, we're we're still recovering fiat addicts. <laughs> so, all right. Um, 
I don't know. Is there anything else you had, Slappy? Sorry, I kind of. I just, got nothing. I basically monologued this episode. Yeah, no, that's good. I had lots of background noise today. Yeah. Um, so, let us know if you think we're missing something on this. Um, you know, we, <laughs> you know, we never have before, but no, we never have. Actually, it's funny because, um, I was looking at our um stats for the website and we had a couple hits on episode 184 which was governments in bitcoin a look at game theory with car campit and i texted him and said like i screenshotted the the views for today i said was this you and he's like no it actually wasn't um but uh so someone was out there looking back because that was in february 2020 before COVID really kicked in, like COVID was just barely starting at that point. Uh, I think it was before El Salvador, you know, did its thing. Like, uh, and we had Car on a little bit later to kind of. I think we it was on our show, or maybe I, I think it was Car, on our show. He used to be a frequent guest on our show. Yes, but we did it like a. Um, We've moved beyond him. Well, yeah, obviously, but no, uh, a little while ago, it, was, it had been like a year at this point. But a little while ago, we did a uh, kind of a a review of that episode to be like, yeah, we pretty much got it spot on. So if you want a taste of like more detail about how we think this is going to, you know, play out. Mostly from like a nation state and uh, government thing, which is important to think about because, you know, governments are going to have a lot to do with with what what, what happens moving forward. They're not going to stop it, but they're going to have an influence on, yeah, on how gonna, things go down. Yep. That is a very good episode to go look at. So that was episode 184. So com slash slash 184. I think we nailed it. I think we nailed a lot of it. You know, obviously it's not going to be exactly as, as we say or predict, but I think we're going to get a lot of the, a lot of the stuff, right. <laughs> how it's going down and i think a, a lot of things how it played out kind of falls within the confines of what we were talking about so i think we're right is what i'm saying i know we are yep all right so that's all i got show notes page for this episode is mcflugel.com slash um 372 I almost forgot two things. Slappy, happy anniversary. We just yes. celebrated 11 years uh, this weekend, I guess, yesterday. Yeah, yeah, recently. Uh, 11 years ago, we put our first blog post together. It was you actually saying, welcome to Flugel. Nice. And then also, I put a little poll out recently. I don't know if you even saw it. I don't think I did. So, you know, those polls that are out or those tweets that are out there that says like, it's a bunch of pictures of like different types of food or fast food places and says like one's got to go. Yes, I am familiar. So I did one. I did a poll and it was one's got to go. And the options were Sloppy Joe's. Oh, I did see this. Or yeah. Slappy Jones. Yeah. I mean, that's not even a question. Um, I'm trying to find the poll. Who won? I'll tell you what my vote was. You got to go? Yeah, I'm not giving up my uh, Sloppy Joes. 
Good. Man, how long ago was this? I don't know. It was probably. I thought it was like last week. I think. Look at my. I don't tweet very often, so I can go back through mine because I did respond to that. I I keep. This X is just killing me. I'm looking for the little bird. Oh, I know. Never find it. Um, I think I zoomed past it. Hold on. Let's see what we got. Let's see some replies. Great podcasting right now. Oh, it really is. Yep. Absolutely. You should have anticipated that I was going to bring this up and, and been ready with it. Been all over it. Yeah. Um, uh, where is the hole? You're going back a little while here because I don't see my response to it. Oh, there Hold it on. is. It was on 815. Oh, it was that long ago. And, uh, and thank you <laughs> to everyone who voted. I, I'm staying around. No, you lost. Oh, here it is. You no, lost. one's got to go. Yeah, and they picked they picked Slappy Joe. Slappy Joe's Joe got the most votes to stay. Yeah, so I lost. Yep. 55% to 45%. What are you going to do? Yeah. Well, you know, it makes me feel good. Even though I voted going. To, that I voted to go. Yeah. So, yeah, so Sloppy Joe's got 55%. You got 45. Yeah. And I'm not just saying this, you know, I'm not just uh, misinterpreting or interpreting the results to make it so that you lost. I wouldn't have done, you know. Not trying to do a uh, tails you win, heads, or tails I win, heads you lose. Yeah, well, Sloppy Joe's got to go. No, Slappy Jones has got to go. No, it says one's got to go. 55% said Sloppy Joe's got to go. Right, and I'm saying that they picked the one that they wanted to stay. Oh. <laughs> and I'm saying I'm not just no, framing it. No, if the question is one has to go, then you have to pick the one that has to go. Right, well, no, if there if there was... If you said one's got to stay... Okay, Slappy, if... I said, You're one's got to go, and you had a um, hamburger and a taco. The one's got to go, and you you picked the hamburger, like you picked it up to eat it. Then you picked the hamburger. You voted for the hamburger, meaning that the taco's got to go. That's what happened here. <laughs> That is not what happened here. No, by, by voting for... Because no, when they put the... You already compared it. You put the four little pictures up and one's got to go and everyone picks which one has to go. So they're not yeah, they explicitly one. state what has to go. This was different because it was a poll. Yeah. And uh, there were only two choices. And it was a scientific poll and I won because I get to stay even though I picked to go. Slappy, it's just not. This doesn't really a good look for you right now. It's you a should great accept look the defeat. For me, just and accept I the defeat. accept that even though, even though I selected, um, slap, sloppy Joe's. Right. So if there was you or a sloppy Joe sitting right in front of you, you would have picked. 
as one's got to go, I would have picked me. I would I would keep the sloppy joes. So you would have voted for you. Um, if one's got to go and you're picking the one that has to go, yes. Okay, so you messed up your vote then. Yeah, I guess I did. Yep. All right, so that's clear. All right, um, so that's all we got. Uh, thanks for listening. We'll catch you next week. Hey, wait a second. What? I'm looking at your responses here. Um, oh, are there good response? No, they're terrible responses. Are so they? Let's... Eric, Eric the Reb, my man's, says, Sloppy Joe's never gave me a cigar, just saying. And then you wrote, have you ever met a gay Sloppy Joe? Then? And I don't know what that implies, if anything. Maybe you're just asking the question. I'm just asking the question. Okay. Because he was denigrating I didn't Sloppy see this Joe's. until right now. So I'm going to like his tweet. I mean, what? Or you think I was implying something? No, that's what I'm asking. Like, I think you're just... I don't know. Maybe, if you felt something that that was like... a somehow directed at you being gay then maybe you have some sort of like i don't know guilt about it or you know just hit a little too close decision okay no we also got a <laughs> sloppy joes are almost as horrendous as fruitcakes. Yeah. Yeah, that was a good one. But fruitcake is amazing, so just incorrect. Hmm. I'm going to have to tweet something. I haven't tweeted in a week. Well, you should just accept. You should tweet, uh, you know, I don't even accepting, like retweeted anything in six days. You should, you should tweet that you accept the loss of that you got to go. Well, I, I don't have to go. And that's really why I, that's why I did the monologue this episode, basically, and didn't give you much to talk, room to talk, because the people spoke, you had to go. So I probably shouldn't even, oh, speaking of you at the end of episodes, did you happen to listen to the end of our episode last week? Anyone make it that far? Well, I don't know. Probably not. How much of my conversation was recorded? Uh, just your name, social security number, address, that uh, kind of thing. Because that's how, that's how I answer the phone. So if anyone wants to call <laughs> me. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that was good, though. And it was good that you didn't say anything because that would have meant I would have had to edit. Yeah. And we're not doing that. You made me have to edit one time. You probably have several times. Yep. So, all right. Are we actually going to end the episode now? Sure. All right. Thanks for listening. We will catch you next week. Peace.